This ain't your average f***ing online marketing podcast. This is the Dave Sharp Show. Hey, what's going on, my friend? This is Dave Sharp. Welcome to the Dave Sharp Show. And in this episode, I'm actually going to give you a lot of content from multiple different topics and ideas. The first one being, I'm going to talk about the number one trait that you must have to become a CEO in your life and in your business, okay? I'm also going to talk about the power of visualization, and then I'm going to talk about four habits that will make you rich. So all in all, this episode is going to be about specific and practical and habits that you can apply right away inside of your life and inside of your business that will undoubtedly, I guarantee, make you rich if you follow through with them and if you put them into practice. So with that being said, let's jump in. I want to give you the number one, like Dave, what's the number one most important trait that I must possess if I want to be the CEO of of my company? And this is going to be really relevant to you if you want to be the CEO of your company, even if you're the only person in your company right now. All right. And I really think that thinking about our lives from the the point of view of I'm the CEO of my life, even if you're not in business, even if you never aspire to have a business, is a really powerful way to think about our lives. Because ultimately, if you have this one trait, then you really can create your destiny. Okay, And if you don't have this trait, then what you do is you'll be stuck in a pattern of always giving your power away to other people. And as you and I both know, that's not a very powerful quality of a great leader. And a CEO, the qualities of a CEO, if you think about it, are a great leader, right? Um, But I'm going to give you this trait, which is counterintuitive to almost everything that's taught out there on being a boss, on being a CEO, on being in charge, right? And if you look at some of the people that you can think about right now that are bosses in charge, um, you know, uh, when you begin to dig deeper into their actual teams and the people that they're around every day, if they don't have this one trait that I'm going to talk about, you'll notice that they don't keep people around them very long. And they are not really, they may be effective with people kind of who are far away from them, but they're not effective with people who are close to them. And if you're going to be the CEO of a business, how the people that you work with every day, how they think about you, how much they respect you, how much they're willing to get excited about working hard for you is going to be dependent on them actually, you know, wanting to be around you and wanting to get excited to work for you and you having this trait. So what is this trait. Well, drum roll, please. It's not going to be what you thought it was. It's the ability to be able to take personal responsibility. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 What the hell are you talking about, Dave? Let me explain. Because for me, I had to learn this the hard way. I learned this a long time ago when I had basically tried to flush my life down the toilet from about the ages of 14 or 15 to 24. Uh, And I ended up homeless and addicted and not only broke, but broken. And 
one of the traits or characteristics that I had back in those times was I didn't take any personal responsibility for anything in my life. It was always somebody else's fault. The reason why I was where I was was because the police and the judges and the probation officers and the reason why um, I, I didn't have uh, what I wanted was because of the system and the government and the president and everything was everybody else's fault. As I was growing up as a rebellious, ignorant teenager, it was my parents' fault, all this stuff. So when I was faced with this path of either getting my shit together which is going to take ruthless personal responsibility or staying stuck in this pattern of self-destruction and self-sabotage and continuing to blame everybody for my, for my bullshit, I had to make a decision. Was I going to take personal responsibility? Now, that seems like an easy decision to make. It's like, yeah, duh, take personal responsibility. But if you look at the majority of people that you probably know, and maybe even yourself, taking personal responsibility is really hard, which is why everybody is not a CEO. And it's why there's even less people who are successful CEOs. Taking personal responsibility in your life, let alone in business, with all of your employees and the people that you're supposed to be in charge of, that are supposed to be working for you, and your customers who are supposed to respect you, right? Taking personal responsibility and starting each and every situation with looking at what is my fault? What am I responsible for? Where did I go wrong? That's a hard thing to do. It's not only hard in your personal life to say, I messed that up. That was my fault. Why? Because society trains us to want to look good. And we're trained like that from an early age. Hey, no matter what's going on in the household, put on a smiling face, put on your Sunday's best, and let's go to church and look like everything's okay. And smile and shake hands. And when people ask us how we're doing, well, I'm fine which silently really means fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, right? But I'm fine. We're trained. Society trains us. Our, our, our peers, the people who are respond, like everybody trains us to just, to not take personal responsibility and, and not first look at ourselves, right? So, um, so it's hard to take personal responsibility just in your life alone right? It's hard to, to say, look, things are not okay. They're my fault. I need to, you know, to not, not be about image management and not try to always focus on trying to make yourself look good. And, and because it's scary to be vulnerable and say that was my fault, right? Most people are going to try to see that as a weakness and attack you. And if you are not able to stay, stand strong in your vulnerability, then, you know, you may feel vulnerable and you may get taken advantage of. But if you want to be a boss, if you want to be the CEO of your business in your life, you have to be able to take personal responsibility. And here's why it's so important as a CEO of a company is because you want your team members, employees, and your staff to take responsibility for their shit. And if you as the leader are not willing to take responsibility for your shit, don't think that they're going to just do what you say and not what you do. They're going to do exactly what you do, not what you say. So for me, anytime we have a challenge or a problem or something's not going the way that it should, I'm not looking to blame and looking at whose fault it is. The first thing that I do before I open my mouth is I say, where may I have misguided, been unclear, 
Um, where have I maybe fallen short? Where have I maybe ignored something when I should have been more involved in that process? I'm always trying to first do an inventory of where I'm responsible and where I may have affected a situation. Then I can go into a meeting or I can go into a situation and I can own that shit first before I say, and look, here's where I believe that you went wrong. Because now all of a sudden, me and whoever I'm talking to are on the same page. We realize, hey, we're both faulted. We're both at fault here. It's, it's, but that's not the point. It's just that we need to own our shit so we can fix it and move forward. And that's been the most, that has been the most important quality that I've had as a CEO over these many years of being in, in this position in various companies. And it's not about being, having that quality has nothing to do with having an A or a B personality. It has nothing to do with being an extrovert or an introvert. It has nothing to do with any of that. It simply has to do with humility and the ability to get vulnerable in front of people and the ability to, instead of try to be right, instead choose to try to connect. And I, for me to be effective, I've learned that the number one most important quality in a company is culture, right? The most important quality in a individual is personal responsibility, right? So, you know, if I want the culture to stay positive and excited and, 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 and thriving, right? I need to make sure that people are taking personal responsibility because otherwise inside of the culture of a company, people are only going to be looking to, to, to blame other people. Nobody's ever going to be taking personal responsibility and the company will be a shit show and it won't explode, but it will implode. So what I do, here's some practical steps for you. What I do is I really try to use I, me, my language. And that was something that I was trained in in drug treatment back in 2004. When I was coming in and I was unwilling and unable, I didn't even have the training to take responsibility for myself. So every time that I spoke, I would say, well, you, you, you. And even when I was speaking about myself, I would say you. I would never actually identify in the first person and say I, me, my. So now... One of the things that I practice, one of the things that I model, and one of the things that I also challenge people around me to do is take personal responsibility in our language, right? So actually use I, me, my statements. I fucked that up. I didn't pull through. I could have been better. It was my responsibility to do that. I fell short, but I'm going to fix it here moving forward, so I apologize, right? Those are examples of ways to right out of the gate begin to take more personal responsibility. What you'll do, you'll connect instead of be right you'll connect with people and then there'll be culture there'll be excitement for you to move forward and find a solution okay so that's a practical step as you you as you improve your language which really what is like life in relationships the only relationship that doesn't a hundred percent um uh, rely on verbal communication is your romantic partnership to where you have physical touch but that's not involved in your day job unless you want a sexual harassment case right so it's all based upon verbal communication so it's a great place to start and it's a great place to continue to focus on as you're building your company and you're working with people is really using I, me, my statements, taking personal responsibility and going in and before you start pointing fingers, ask yourself in every single situation, what am I responsible for? What, where did I possibly fall short, right? And that's just a little mental inventory that you can do before you go into a situation and it will change the game for you 
and you'll begin to see the people around you evolve and change and take more personal responsibility, which will in turn improve the culture and improve your company. In 2014, there was a study that was conducted by a doctor at the University of Chicago, and he did a study to see if he could help basketball players improve their free throw shooting. And so he broke the basketball players up into three groups. The first group shot baskets for an hour every single day. The second group, okay, the second group is all they did was they visualized shooting baskets every single day. And they visualized shooting and, of course, making it in, being successful with the shot. The third group did absolutely nothing. What do you think happened? What do you think the outcome of this study was? Do you think that the people who practiced every day physically shooting the ball were more successful than the other two groups? Do you think that it was the ones who visualized were more successful? Well, if you guess number one, the people who practiced shooting were more successful than you were right, but you weren't right by much. The group who shot shots every single day, the first group, improved their free throw success 24%. But the second group, the group who simply sat and visualized themselves having success, actually improved 23%. Now, the group who did nothing didn't improve. They stayed the same. So how is it? So that a group who simply sat and visualized themselves being more successful improved damn near as much as the group who was out there every single day for an hour shooting baskets. Well, it's the same reason how over the course of my career, me visualizing myself speaking before I got there helped me to execute more when I was in the room. The number one fear that people have in life as much or more as dying is public speaking. And I had the same exact fear. And every time that I was going to speak somewhere, I would be butterflies in the stomach and I would be sweating more so than I already do. And I would be nervous and I would be ready to have a breakdown. And eventually I began, instead of envisioning myself being a total train wreck out there, I started to envision myself owning the room and crushing it. And lo and behold, over time, I became a more powerful speaker. Same thing in social situations, same thing with my marriage, same thing with my children, same thing with my business and everyday interactions. I spend a lot of time visualizing. Now, we all daydream every day. There's a lot of studies that have been done about daydreaming and zoning off and worrying specifically, worrying and having anxiety and fear about various different situations. Most of the time, we do a lot of future tripping, right? Most human beings spend the majority of their time either in the future or in the past, but not very much time in the present. There's a lot of value, though, spending time in the future. There's a lot of time, there's a lot of value daydreaming and all of these things that there's been a lot of negative connotation around, like, hey, stop daydreaming in class, we've been told in the past. But that, that, that practice, that behavior of daydreaming or zoning off, if it's intentional, or even if you can train your brain to when you do days off, you begin to visualize or even fantasize about you crushing it, about you being your best self, about you winning, negotiating, 
So many times in sales or in business, people suck at negotiating, not because they don't have the capabilities, not because they don't even have a, a good enough offer or that they uh, don't have a product that the customer wants. It's because when they go in, they visualize themselves not getting the sale, not making the deal. So what they visualize becomes a reality, exactly like the doctor in 2014 at the, at the University of Chicago study proved. So if you want to be successful and you want to crush it, you want to be better in business, you want to be better at closing, you want to be better at sales, you want to be better at marketing, you want to be a better husband or wife or a better parent, or you just want to be more comfortable in social situations, you can train your brain to actually show up and execute the way that you want. And it starts with visualizing. At first, you're going to have to be intentional about doing it. There's a lot of talk lately about meditation, like sitting here and trying to clear your thoughts. And most people struggle with that so they don't meditate. So what I would offer you to do is to sit down and be extremely intentional about your thoughts. Instead of trying to clear your thoughts and go right into meditation. Look, I believe meditation is valuable. But first, instead of trying to be a monk, trying to be Gandhi, trying to be somebody who's sitting around meditating all day, I think for you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be successful in your business, it'd be valuable to spend your time visualizing yourself being successful. And if you can do that intentionally for 10 minutes a day, finding a comfortable chair, finding a quiet place, or even a noisy place, it doesn't matter. You sit down, you close your eyes, and you envision yourself. This is another thing that I like to do, and I've done this for years, when I'm falling asleep. This is one of the prime times that people end up worrying themselves to death and they don't end up sleeping and then what are, what are you doing right before you're falling asleep you're putting all of these anxiety ridden thoughts through your head and what do you do you end up dreaming about them and then you end up actually manifesting them in your life so what i've done for years this is one of the prime times that i like to visualize is as i'm falling asleep I like to try to visualize myself crushing it in something that's upcoming, a speaking engagement, even if it's just the next day at work, just executing, just having different interactions with people, just waking up and being the best version of myself in the morning, you know, with my children, with my wife. So that's one of the prime times when I'm going to sleep. I wanna, I wanna go into my rest visualizing powerful thoughts because then I'm going to marinate on those. My subconscious is going to marinate on those as I sleep. And I'm most likely going to carry that into my, my dreaming if I do any dreaming and then wake up with my last thought the previous day as a powerful thought. Look, your brain, your mind, your subconscious, and even what you do consciously, it is so powerful. It's the most powerful muscle that you have in your body. It, it's capable of, of, of compound effects right like i'm only capable of lifting so much weight that's my 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 chest or my biceps like i don't have compound leverage with something like that i would have to use a pulley system to be able to get compounded leverage with just my physical body but in terms of my mental potential and what i can do with my brain it's the it's the reason why somebody like warren buffett who's a man i, I don't see anything unique or super humanish about his physique right he actually looks kind of like he's out of shape and um that's probably true because he eats at dairy queen a lot right but something about his mind has helped him 
to create compound wealth over the years to where now he's worth over $80 billion. How do you do that? Are you lucky? Was he born with it? No. He actually didn't become a billionaire until he was in his 59 or 60. So how did he do it? Well, he did it the same way that every other successful person, the way that I'm telling you to do it right now, which is if you want something, you have to be able to see it. I believe it was Bruce Lee, but don't quote me, said, the body cannot go where the mind has never gone. And even if you want to perform physically, like if you want to do 10 push-ups or if you want to do 10 or pull-ups or push-ups, whatever, if you want to bench 300 pounds, you will be just like the basketball players, so much more capable of doing that if you can envision yourself doing it. So when it comes time to actually do it, it's like you've already been there. So what are these four habits that are going to keep you and make you rich, make you successful? Well, I'm going to get right into them because I'm going to give you some things that you may not have ever thought about before in some different perspectives that are going to help you out. So let's jump in. Habit number one is to be physically healthy. Now, hold on a second, Dave. I, I know I should, I should exercise and I should eat food. Yeah, you should. One of, the, one of the most common habits of successful people that I see is, is they exercise. And one of the reasons why they exercise is not just to go in and build up muscle, but so they can burn anxiety and get out energy. And so they can actually be more focused. For me, one of the reasons why I like to exercise is so I can be more mentally clear. Okay, when I come to work, um, I want to be focused. Uh, I've I've switched my morning or my workout routine from sometimes doing it in the morning to sometimes doing it in the afternoon. And the reason why I do it in the afternoon, which is what I've favored lately, is that I actually can cut up my day from my work day to my family time and create a nice transition there. So I'm using it more than just for... Uh, to, to get ripped, right? I mean, honestly, at, at this point in my life, and it's never really been a goal of mine is to, I'm not so big on outward appearance. I don't need to be ripped. I want to work out and I want to exercise because of what it will do for me. And, in, and for me, it gives me more focus. It gives me more mental clarity. And also it helps to break up my day. What about food? What about eating? I like to try to eat very simply real foods, now, can I do this all the time? No, let's be real. Um, is it expensive to eat organic or real food? Maybe, but isn't it worth it, right? I mean, if you're going to spend money on anything, shouldn't it be what you put into your body? So I find that trying to eat real food as much as possible, what does that mean? Not filling myself up with um, too many sodas, too many bags of chips, stuff like that. Do I like to... Do I like to get into a bag of chips and a soda every once in a while, sure, but I try to limit it. Okay, I know people who, who eat nothing but crap and it, it affects your energy and your performance. Here's another thing about being physically healthy, sleep. There's a lot of this talk about working 18 hours a day and grinding, 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 but I believe that getting a good night's sleep is one of the most important parts about being successful because for me, when I don't get a good night's sleep, I can't be productive. I'm not focused. I'm not present. I'm not my best self. If I get five, six hours of sleep and I do that a couple of days in a row, I am worthless. Not only am I worthless, but I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cranky. I'm miserable. And that's how people get burnout. So for me, 
that physical healthy habit of getting sleep. We call this sleep hygiene. And if you're really interested in taking your performance to the next level, then go and do some research on sleep hygiene. Here's some examples of sleep hygiene. Not getting on your phone right before bed or in bed. Um, actually trying to block Blu-rays out of your vision. So I wear some of those glasses. You can get them on Amazon. They're Blu-ray blockers, not blue blockers, not to be confused with the sunglass that was on commercials all the time. Blu-ray blockers, so they, 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 they look like construction glasses. They have orange um, lenses, and they block out the blue light. Another thing, trying to take a shower before I go to bed so I'm not just, br- I like to call it washing the day away. You know, I mean, just, I'm kind of just sitting there and I'm washing the day away and so I can transition into sleep. So those are some of the elements and key components around being physically healthy. Let's talk about habit number two. And this is one of the habits that so many people, so many entrepreneurs and, and people that want to be successful just completely ignore. And it's being physically, or excuse me, mentally and emotionally healthy. Why is this so important? Well, for many reasons. I could do an hour, I could do a weekend class on this because this one component has helped me to transition from my old self, which had little awareness, who was chocked full of resentment and anger and was basically operating on old software that was installed when I was a young kid. Um, and then the who I am today, which is a lot more aware, self-aware. I process my feelings a lot more. Um, I don't keep things harbored. I set boundaries and uh, I'm able to kind of not carry yesterday's news into today. And so what does that mean for some of you? It means just to acknowledge the fact that your mental health is important. That's, it can be as simple as that. Doing self-care activities paying attention to how you feel and honoring that. So if you're like extremely tired, but you're working late, go to bed and realize it's still going to be there tomorrow. That that's going to be maybe the most important thing you do for yourself all day. Um, Treating yourself, um, honoring just whatever you feel in that moment that, uh, you know, within reason that you need to do to be able to take care of yourself. Because it's just like the concept that you can't take care of others until you take care of yourself. And one of the biggest components of a, of a human being that's often ignored by people is their own mental and emotional health. For others of you, that's going to mean going to therapy. That's going to mean digging deeper into some of your old childhood trauma and things that you went through and actually acknowledging that. If it's something that you don't want to talk about, it is probably worth exploring. I know that was true for me. If it was a difficult conversation, I wanted to avoid the feelings around it, then it was probably something that I needed to address. And I needed to address it with professional people who could help me navigate the oftentimes confusing and scary roads in my own head. No, I don't want to go and share it oftentimes with friends and people that are not qualified to be able to help me. But for me, I went and got outside help. I went to therapist. I, I got into therapy. I've, I've, many of you guys know I've been doing 12-step work for almost a decade. I mean, this is stuff that 
is no secret. My, I didn't just, I wasn't born successful. I wasn't born a high performer. I was competitive. I played sports when I was young, but I wasn't born with, you know, like a silver spoon, an emotional or mental silver spoon. I was effed up for a long ass time. And to be successful and continue to be successful as an entrepreneur, I've had to really focus on my mental and emotional health. And it is something that most entrepreneurs don't talk about enough. And quite frankly, it's because they may be financially successful, but their life is a complete nightmare. And eventually, that catches up to you. I've seen it catch up to people over and over and over again. All right? So let's move on to number three. Number three is to stay spiritually healthy. Stay humble. Stay grounded to whatever your higher power is. For some of you that watch my videos, it's you know, God or Jesus. For others, it might be whatever it is, okay? I'm not concerned about that. I, I'm not put, I don't want to push religion or spirituality on anybody, but staying connected and grounded to who you are, to, to who you believe your creator is, is so important. And, 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 and most importantly, what are the characteristics of being spiritual? It's not posting feel-good memes on Facebook. It's being humble. It's being, staying a student. It's, it's trying to love rather than hurt. I mean, s- spirituality to me is less about, you know, kind of what I proclaim I am and more about what I do, and particularly what I do when nobody's looking. Because it's easy to say that I'm spiritual on Facebook, but what is my actual life like? Am I, am I just proclaiming these things because I want to give people lip surface and try to, you know, make people think that I'm something that I'm not, or am I actually doing it? I believe that a spiritual relationship is personal to you. This is a habit of successful, wealthy people that I've found who are not only wealthy, because here's my ultimate goal, are not only wealthy financially, but also wealthy in family and wealthy in experience and wealthy in self-love, okay? Fourth habit of successful people. Drum roll, please. Work ethic, man. Work ethic. Not grind ethic. I'm talking about work ethic. Let me address something that I think is a huge problem in this industry. Is that people have a fantasy about getting to a point to where they work less. And in turn, they work really hard not working at all. Let me say that again. People have a fantasy about working less So in turn, that's what they think about so much. In turn, they end up working really hard trying not to work at all. And what I know about wealthy people, my own success, is that I've worked until work didn't feel like work anymore. And then eventually, I just got into flow because I worked so much on my skill that it was no longer hard. Shooting videos, for example, people say, well, I can't be like Dave. Or I can't be like Tony Robbins, or I can't be like whoever, but what do you think? This is my first video? Like, I've got 10,000 hours minimum in front of a camera. You know, I've been doing this shit for a decade. So now, I come to work every day, like, you can't get me out of my office. You can't get me, like, I want to take my work with me everywhere that I go, because I love it so much. So now it's not really even work to me. I would consider myself semi-retired. But Dave, you work so many hours. But 
I love what I do because I've developed skills and now I'm to a place to where it's fun. So work ethic at an early age, I, I mean, I, my parents worked hard. I'm, I'm blessed and grateful to have had that modeled for me. I didn't have parents or I wasn't around people that were just laying around a lot. If you were, if you were born and you were, you, that's why you have to really pay attention to how you were raised, not because we want to find fault. It's not about that. It's about what patterns and habits did I pick up from other people that I don't necessarily want to take into the next chapter of my life? Like, what are those habits? Because a lot of your daily behaviors and activities and the way that you are may not be yours. So take a look at that and think, wow, did I, did I see good work ethic modeled for me? And if you didn't, and if you're not seeing it right now, then get around somebody who is modeling it for you. We talk about mentorship all the time, and people are like, yeah, I want to mentor. I want, like, have you, if you want success so bad, are you willing to go work around or for somebody for free or for, for less money than you think that you deserve because you understand the value of learning and watching and having success be modeled for you? Like if you're willing to go to those depths, and that's work ethic, you're willing to spend your time and your energy around putting in the, like, you know, gaining the experience so you can have more longevity in your career and actually become wealthy, then you've got the, the it factor. If you don't, if you work, inc- because the, the irony is people work incredibly hard trying not to work. Hope those four habits really really challenged you and got you thinking about what can I change and what do I need to improve and what are the things that I've been overlooking that might have been right in front of my eyes that I can change today to start creating a a better, more clear, more direct path to future wealth. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for notifications of new episodes. And if you'd leave me a review on iTunes, it would mean the world to me. Also, if you want my number one recommendation to make money online, then head over to DaveSharpShow.com and download the free report. I'll see you on the next episode.